Well, here we go, and so professional soccer is underway for the first time in Albuquerque, New Mexico, USL Championship League. See, it all started one day when I was walking down the street. I look left and I look right thinking, how can life be so nice again? Sandoval on the right foot, and it's through! Devin Sandoval, welcome home! You're listening to the Curse Cast with David Carl and RJ Montano. David and RJ will take you through the latest recaps, news, and interviews from around New Mexico United Soccer. You can shoot us comments or questions at the Curse NM on Twitter, the Curse New Mexico on Facebook, or email the show at thecursenm at gmail.com. And now a part of the Beautiful Game Network and recorded from the studios of ESPN Radio 1017 the team, here's David and RJ with the Curse Cast. Hello and welcome to the Curse Cast. I'm RJ Montano, joined alongside David Carl. David, we've been talking about this for a long time now, since basically the team was announced, and it's finally here. We're yeah. finally doing the Curse Cast. We're uh, two two former radio guys, and uh, well, it just kind of made sense. We both love New Mexico United. New Mexico United needs a uh, supporters podcast, so here we are. Yes, and we're having a blast doing this. We are in studio at the ESPN Radio 1017, the team studios here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, looking over the uh, Rio Grande Valley. Isn't that a beautiful sight, looking over Albuquerque? Absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. A, uh, an underrated river, an underrated town, an underrated state, and I dare say, an underrated football club. Absolutely. Well, I don't know. We're going to get some recognition now, I think. Yeah, so we are, let's get right to that. We are uh, one night after the first win in team history. Uh, an exciting night it was, a, uh, a thrilling 2-1 to victory over the Tulsa Roughnecks. Uh, what's your immediate reaction? Man, it was wild. I'm excited. Watching that team struggle a little bit in the second half last night was uh, uh, alarming. You know, I think that was the worst New Mexico United has played mm-hmm. in the three games, and they still came out with a win. Yeah. So and you know they had plenty of chances to to go up even more than two one. Yeah, absolutely. And again, a win's a win. You take the two to one win, uh, but they points. they certainly played better than two to one. I think uh, the best they played uh, was probably so far this season in Phoenix at that three to three draw. Obviously, not coming away with the win there, but uh, we're seeing positive things so far, moving in the right direction. Uh, a lot more offensively minded than we saw in the uh, initial one to one draw. Uh, in, in the in the inaugural game, but uh, things looking up. Yeah, from game one to game three, you could tell that the chemistry is get, getting there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guys know where it's, where to be, where to go. Uh, it, it's starting to come together, and it's going to be a dangerous team coming coming down this summer. And it's been a lot of fun. Again, it's 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 just getting started for us. The team was announced uh, what May of last year, I think, and and we kind of got a group of us together uh, and said, hey, this is this is something that we've been looking for in New Mexico for a long time to have our own professional team, a USL team, and we want to get behind this. So we we kind of came together with about six of us. Uh, we put together the curse. Uh, and uh, it's it's grown from there. We're over 200 members now. Yes, the curse is uh, growing, and the curse is becoming kind of a power behind that uh, uh, first baseline, I guess, here at Isotopes Park. Uh, it's absolutely been a blast. Um, I, I'm coming from a kind of a newbie into soccer. So th- this whole craze is kind of like, okay, let me see what's going on with this. Let's, let's see what's happening. And now that was kind of a couple uh, World Cups ago. Now I'm just... Screaming my head, you're I'm all in. To be, I'm in a supporters group. I mean, yeah, and it's. I mean, and that's that's the beautiful thing I think about this. You know, I, I I'm somebody. I grew up watching soccer. You know, I've been a fan since I was a kid. You're new to soccer. It's it's a beautiful marriage of the two. We've talked about this at, at length, you and I, about how. Uh, We've seen elitism in soccer before. We've seen uh, people say, well, if you haven't been a fan since you were five years old, well, you're not a real fan. We don't believe that. We we want we want the people who've been watching soccer their whole lives, and we want the people who have literally never seen a corner kick. Uh, it's, it's bringing people together. It's bringing New Mexicans together, and damn, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and let me give a trigger warning for those elitists <laughs> that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to say field instead of pitch. I'm going to say jersey or uniform instead of kit. I'm never going to say boots. <laughs> so just trigger warning, be, be aware that that's not going to happen right here. And you know what? Deal with it. 
That's okay. We're here to have fun. We're here to support our team, and it's it's been a blast so far. So again, let's let's get it. Let's get into these these first three matches. I think a little bit uh, a little bit at a time. Our our first match uh, in New Mexico United history was against Fresno FC, a one to one draw. Um, the uh, the electricity in the stadium was palpable. Almost thirteen thousand people there. Uh, New Mexico is hungry. They're, yeah, they're absolutely hungry. The people uh, that, that were in the stands that night, you could tell uh, there was a lot of you know soccer fans, some people who have followed soccer for a long time. And there was a lot of people who were like, let me go check this out. This, this is uh, something new. The New Mexico United uh, marketing, social media imaging team is probably best in the league because they created excitement over something that no one has ever saw in this town. Mm-hmm. And, and how cool was it to see the first player in New Mexico United history signed on day one, Devin Sandoval, New Mexico's own, played soccer at the University of New Mexico, 25th minute, he tucks away the first goal in New Mexico United history. That was a, a, an amazing moment. I teared up a little oh, bit. Oh, absolutely. El Dorado high school product, a local kid. You you have to love that. I mean, it was poetic. It, it had to happen, and it did. And again, uh, 47th minute, Jackson scores for Fresno FC to tie it, uh, and that would be how it ended up shortly after the after the, uh, after the the halftime break. Uh, that is kind of how it ends up, one-to-one draw there. And then, uh, then we go to Phoenix. RJ, you and I made this trip out there uh, against the reigning Western Conference champions, uh, a team that was, for all intents and purposes, and is, for all intents and purposes, one of the best in the league. Um, it, was, it was a fun experience and uh, a heck of a lot more offensive than we saw in the, uh, in the inaugural match. Yeah, the, the, there was a lot of running that I didn't see the first time. Like, there's guys, uh, Santi Moore. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, it seemed like Whew. Troy let him loose. Goal Just of the week. Go, go, go. Score more goals. More uh, goals. <laughs> more uh, goals. I love it. Uh, but speaking of this, we did, uh, before we went out there for the trip, we yep. met up with the Red Fury. the Phoenix, Great folks. Great uh, folks. Yeah, Phoenix's uh, supporters group uh, at a little bar, Duke City. Yeah. Duke City, Duke Sport Bar. <laughs> we can call it the Duke uh, City. But absolutely great people. Uh, the atmosphere there was also incredible. Their supporters groups uh, did a hell of a job. Yeah, they had a cool little light thing at the beginning. All the supporters had those almost like little mini lightsabers. They put turned the lights out, got the smoke on. It was pretty cool. Yeah, and they they said it was a sellout. <laughs> RJ's a little hung up I've on this. Always been hung. So um, during that game, we had uh, it was an exciting game. Um, we, uh, Santi with a quick goal, mm-hmm. uh, absolute burner from the outside. That was the uh, the USL goal of the week just announced today. Uh, the voting ended. Uh, Santi scored the goal of the week, and he could have had a couple more. He had a couple great shots. Uh, credit to I'm going to mispronounce Wojcinski, the goalkeeper for Phoenix, probably butchered that name. But he had a couple really nice saves uh, to keep Santi uh, off the score sheet uh, more than the two times he was on there. But again, yeah, 16th minute, uh, Santi uh, takes a great ball into the corner and just a a curler off the right foot. There was no chance at stopping that one. And then there was also uh, some questionable calls in this game. (laughs) Yeah, and and so after, I I posted this on Twitter, After after the game, you, me, everybody else, all the United fans that were there, uh, we were a little frustrated, a little aggrieved, thought we deserved the three points there, um, thought we outplayed Phoenix, um, and and really were kind of screwed over, uh, frankly, by a couple of the calls, uh, namely two penalties uh, awarded to Phoenix. Um, and I stand by the fact that neither one of those penalties should have been awarded. With that said, uh, the Freddie Mercury impersonator, uh, who was doubling as a referee, got things wrong on both sides. If, if you look at Santi's first goal, um, Ryan Williams uh, did a great job of trapping the ball, getting it over to Santi. But if you watch the replay, which I did about six times, uh, it appears he does use a little bit of his arm to do so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It it, it very easily could have been called a handball. Uh, Yellow card on on David Estrada, not warranted. Uh, Yellow card on a couple of the players, including uh, uh, Javier Perez, not warranted. Uh, So really kind of both ways. But uh, we did have a heck of a lot more fouls called on us than they did on them. Yeah, 23 to 10. We had 23 fouls. Today had 10. We had six yellow cards. They had three. And there's a few of those yellows. There's one that called on, I think it was Freight Train, where where, oh, yeah. Freighter, where two uh, rising players run into each other, and he's about 15 yards away from this play. He gets the yellow. Yeah. It was uh, some, some unfortunate officiating. Uh, but again, you're on the road. You're in a hostile environment. You kind of deal with that. Uh, one thing that I noticed, and, and we brought up, we're going to bring up to Troy when we talk to him, uh, is possession. Uh, heavily favored Phoenix in this game, and in in the in the uh, excuse me the the Tulsa game also heavily favored them. Now, 
makes sense uh, in the Phoenix game. You're on the road, as I said, hostile environment. But one thing that I really, really noticed and I, and I, I really enjoyed uh, seeing from our guys was the ability to counter and counter quickly. I mean, two of our three goals are on counters. Kavon Freighter with quick passes and quick shots. Freighter's goal was, was absolutely fantastic. Low and away, kind of hovered just above the ground. But the thing is, they're countering quickly and with the speed they've got with guys like Santi Moir, with guys like Devin Sandoval, with guys like Kavon Freighter, they've got a ton of speed and, and a lot of defenders can't keep up. And going after uh, what, what was considered the, the top team out in the West mm-hmm. before this uh, Phoenix, it was pretty even. I mean, they 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 kind of dominated possession, but everything else, shots, shots on target, uh, everything else, it was fairly even. Yeah, so goal number two uh, was that goal by Kavon Freider, 30th minute, um, and immediately following the first uh, penalty scored by uh, Solo Asante, uh, who is, by the way, very fast. I don't know if you noticed that. He's he's incredibly quick. They've got a lot of speed as well up on the top line there for Phoenix. But, uh, yeah, so they get the penalty. Uh, Solo Asante puts it away, and then Kevon Freider literally a minute later, cool as you like, low into the post. Uh, nothing that Wyshynski could have done about that. Doesn't celebrate at all. Cool as a cucumber. That's what I was going to say. Wyshynski watched it go in, and Freight Train just, just started walking away. No, no <laughs> celebration. I don't know if that's to do with the fact that it was immediately following one of their goals, or because it's maybe his former home where you know he kind of moved on from. Maybe wasn't exactly accepted yeah, wasn't toward a, the end. a great ending with Phoenix for Kavan. So it, I think it was a little uh, poetic with that one as well. Just kind of Put it away, quietly walk away, giving the Mexico United the 2-1 lead. Absolutely. And then uh, third goal, uh, well, after another penalty uh, for for uh, penalty. <laughs> for Phoenix, uh, Solo Sante puts this one away as well. I think it was more egregious than the first one, frankly. I thought the second one was worse. Um, that was in the 48th minute. Solo Sante gets a second, both on penalties. Uh, then just... Uh, Seven minutes later, Santi Moir, second goal of the game. Really kind of an individual effort. Gets the ball right around midfield, and man, he sprints. He cuts through two defenders, and he goes low into the near post. It's Wyshynski's job there to to guard the near post. That's priority number one for a goalkeeper. He wasn't able to do so. A great shot from Santi Moir to give Wyshynski some credit. It was a tough save, uh, but he, he puts United uh, puts United back on top 3-2. to two. Yeah, and, and I don't think anyone uh, anyone was expecting Santi to, to just go from that fallout. No. Absolutely. He, he just, I mean, he, he burned it right in. It was it was real quick, too. You just, you're kind of waiting for him to bring it in a lot more so you get a better percentage, higher percentage shot in and just burned it right in. Yeah. And and again, we had uh, a, a little traveling contingent there to Phoenix. We had a great time, as we said, uh, with, with Phoenix Rising. We saw a couple of Banditos after the game as well. Um, had, had a good time out there and end up with a 3-3 draw. Now let's move on uh, to last night's match. Tulsa Roughnecks, New Mexico United, the first win. In franchise history, how are you feeling about that? Man, wasn't that cool to be a part of? It was it was a a really special night. Um, what was eight thousand eight hundred people? Yeah, out on a Wednesday for a, night for a, a right after work. Yeah, and it was incredible. And the atmosphere was just as exciting as the first game, the first match. And I was going to say game and match too. So just prepare <laughs> for that, just for everybody. But no, I was a little worried uh, when we were when we were kind of. Setting up shop, you know, we're there a little bit before the game. Gates open an hour before match, uh, and it's a little empty. It's a little sparse, and I'm looking around. I'm saying, I don't know where everybody is, and then they filled in. It's typical Albuquerque, typical New Mexico. We're a late-arriving crowd, but then they really filled in nicely. 8,800 on a midweek game, is it, it's it's nice. It's good to see, and, you know, I want to I want to get to this. We've we've had a lot of conversations on, on social media with fans of other clubs, and they, they're telling us, hey, don't talk about the attendance. Don't talk about the attendance. And to an extent, I agree with them. The The priority is and should be on the play on the field, and it truly is. I mean, we are so proud of the guys so far. Uh, we've been excited to have this product on the field. We've been cheering for our guys until we're hoarse. Um, but you got to understand, for the folks who are not from New Mexico, this is something that has never worked here before. We there, There's been kind of this self-defeating prophecy in New Mexico. People will say, well, nothing cool ever happens in New Mexico. Nothing fun ever happens here. And it's, as a New Mexican, it's, I've been overjoyed. I've been overwhelmed to see the people coming out and supporting this club and really building something here. So, so yes to you folks, uh, you, you USL folks who have been around for a while and been in this league for a while. I agree. Attendance should not be the priority, but damn, 
I'm proud of New Mexicans. It's been fantastic. Well, and they're they're not just showing up; they're getting loud. Yeah, and like the uh, the game last night, the Tulsa game. Uh, when while we're recording this, uh, it was the Tulsa game. The ESPN three commentators yeah. made comment about, "Hey, these guys are loud. These guys are the the twelfth man, the the fifth official." Mm-hmm. So getting. That many people in, getting that many people loud and excited, that's that's going to help us going forward. That's going to help New Mexico United. That's going to help Albuquerque. It's it's all good. Yeah. And especially right now in Albuquerque, the sports climate is pr- pretty pretty gloom with all the <laughs> everything going on with uh, UNM, UNM football being bad, uh, UNM soccer getting cut, the Lobo basketball team, men's team is not doing very good. This This is coming right at the right time in the sports climate for, for Albuquerque it's and, some, and New Mexico. It's something the state needs. It's And it's, again, you said it's coming at, at, at just the right time. It's a nice opportunity to feel good about what's going on in New Mexico, sports-related or otherwise. It's it's fantastic. It's a way, I mean, as, as I, I mentioned to you earlier, you know, I've, I, I grew up watching soccer. I've seen the uniting power of soccer before, but never in my own community. And it's it's amazing. It's it's awesome to see. And it's taking over. And a lot of the, the cursed chants and songs are now starting to climb into the next section. That's right. Further back. So it's great to see people are loving this. They're embracing this. They are getting after it. So let's get into, speaking of getting after it, let's get into this two to one victory for New Mexico United first win in franchise history. We opened up the scoring early uh, on a deflection uh, by by Lewis, the goalkeeper for Tulsa Roughnecks. Shot fired in. He's unable to handle it. Devon, 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 excuse me. Devin Sandoval, our native son, uh, gets onto the rebound, heads it in um, for the first goal of the match. Uh, his second goal in as many home games. Uh, Lewis kind of falls on his on the back of his leg a little bit. Devin got a knock there and ended up having to come off later. But uh, but Devin gets the first goal there. It was uh, it was an exciting time. Yeah, you could tell Devin was a little uncomfortable getting up from that goal, but it was just a beautiful header. He, only, all, he just had to tap it. He didn't have to do very much with it. It was a great deflection right in, and, and, and Devin put it away. Yep. And then shortly after that, just 13 minutes later, 20th minute, uh, Santi Moir doing what Santi Moir does. His third goal in two matches uh, takes the ball at the at the top of the 18 off for a really nice give and go with Josh Suggs um, and fires it into the, the top corner. A left-footed shot this time um, to double the lead to 2-0. Uh, the place is going nuts at this point. Oh, absolutely. And then he comes out to the uh, supporter section and kind yes. of celebrates with us, which made it even better. Just It was so great to have him. I mean, his initial response was to run at the, the, the curse. And if you have a chance uh, for you listeners out there, if you go back and watch the match, you'll hear us. We've got this tradition here at Isotopes Park as, as much of a tradition as you can have through two home games. But uh, the state of New Mexico, founded in 1912, it's currently 2019. So at 1912, we all lose our minds. We all clock. go 1912 nuts. 1912 on the game clock. Yep, 1912 on the game clock. We all go nuts. We all lose our minds. And that was... Maybe 20 seconds into that. So from 1912 to 2019, we go nuts. 20 seconds into that, Santi does what Santi does. Yeah, I don't even think it was 20 seconds into that. Santi just heard us get crazy and just <laughs> jacked it from, what was it, about 25 out. Yeah, he. I mean, he, he again, a, a brilliant left-footed shot. Uh, and again, doubles the lead and smoke goes up. Players come over. It's a great time. It's uh, 2-0 New Mexico United. And they really controlled possession in the first half. We'll get to the second half in a little bit. But despite the fact that they scored three goals in Phoenix, in my opinion, they were much better offensively in this 2-1 to win. Yes, in the first half. Yes, I agree completely. It was it was night and – well, no, I wouldn't say night and day difference between the first and second half, mm-hmm. but it was pretty close. Uh but yeah, they 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 had possession. They had their passes were almost perfect. Uh, I just kind of didn't 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 finish a couple of the goals that they could have had. Sure, the, the couple chances they had. But yeah, it was. Now, yeah, I mean, and let's get into that second half. I mean, things going really well in the halftime. There's a little bit of a defensive shakiness towards the end of the first half, but they get through it up two nil. Um, and then second game in a row. Uh, they come out a little soft, a little flat uh, at the beginning of the first half. Well, and Tulsa came out with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder too. They They're down two nothing, uh, getting heckled uh, coming out. <laughs> You're so, welcome, Buis. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they came out with a little more aggression, and and you could tell that they were frustrated that things weren't going their way. Tulsa was frustrated with that, that things weren't going their way in that first half, so they came out with uh, a little bit of a chip and and started get, getting after it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and th- them getting after after it, excuse me, results in a goal. Uh 60th minute, Luca Lobo uh with his uh third goal in two games. Uh he had two fantastic goals uh from the defender there in, in their previous match. So uh, as far as defenders go, he's tied uh for the league lead actually as far as any players go. Uh Santi Moore and Luca Lobo both tied for the league lead with I think three other players uh with three goals apiece obviously here in the early going. Um but uh they get that back and it was a little bit deflating. Yeah, and that goal came off of an incredible save by Cody Mizell. Absolutely. He had a great save. The ball kind of deflects out, and, and Luca puts the rebound right back into the net. And as, as night and day, as you say it was, uh, offensively between the first and second halves, the defense really stepped up as we got into crunch time. Josh Suggs, Justin Schmidt had some brilliant clearances. There were some real opportunities and some real chances with about 75 to 80 minutes, even into the 85th minute. Uh, Tulsa really threatening at several times there, and Rashid Tate as well. All three of those guys, Sam Hamilton when he came on as a sub, uh, really stepping up and getting some key defensive clearances when things were a little shaky toward the end. Yeah, they are clearing the ball with uh, defenders hanging. I mean, not defenders, but uh, some of the guys hanging off of them. So they were able to get, get the ball out uh, and... I don't know, it was incredible. It felt like Suggs was all over the field. Yeah, I mean, and that's what you want out of your captain. He's a guy who, in the past, and we'll talk to Troy about this uh, in a little bit. Troy Lesane, uh, head coach of New Mexico United and technical director, will be our guest. That's right. Um, but we're going to talk to him a little bit about uh, a, a guy like our captain there. I mean, he Josh Suggs is, is, is somebody who, in the past, has really been a, a left back who can go forward. He can bomb forward a lot. He hasn't been asked to do that too much uh, thus far. He's been a real defensive stalwart. Uh, uh, and it's really been to the benefit of New Mexico United. Not to say that he hasn't gone forward, for example, on Santi's goal yesterday. He got the assist on a really nice give-and-go, as we mentioned. But for the most part, uh, Josh Suggs has been has been defensively minded, and again, I think it's to the benefit of, of the club. Yeah, and then there was a f- uh, five-minute extra time added on at the end of the game. Five was a lot. Five was a lot, and they, they handled the pressure. They did. They did. So again, a 2-1 to one victory uh, for New Mexico United. Uh, post-game, when that final whistle blows... Cody Mizell right in front of us turns around. He's going nuts. The players all get together. They hold hands on the middle of the pitch, and then they run at us. How are you feeling when that was going oh, on? Oh, man, I, I caught Manny Padilla, which is really <laughs> cool. Uh, the players are running right at this, uh, the supporter section, and it felt like every single person that was in the supporter section stayed until after the celebration. Like No one left early. Everyone was just jacked up to get this historic first win in New Mexico United history. And then watching these players just – they feel it. They love it. It's not just a game. They had as much invested in this game as as I feel any fan in, in town did. I mean, and you can tell when we had that first draw against Fresno, they were disappointed. They wanted uh, to get that first win they, at home. They apologized for tying. They did. They came up to the sport section and were like, hey, sorry, man, we wanted... Guys, it's a tie. It's our first game ever. To get a point in the first get match ever was, was, was a step in the right direction. And you know what? Second home game... Ever, we get the win, and you can tell it meant a lot to these guys. Yeah. And Manny, then, like you said, Manny Padilla was up in the crowd with us. Rashid was up in the crowd with us. Uh, you know, it was it was awesome to see these guys really be so invested in, in and obviously coming away with the victory. One, because they're soccer players, and obviously you want to win. But it felt like more than that. It felt like they were they wanted to be part of the community, and they and are they part are, of the yes, community. Yes, I was going to say that. They are part of the community. You go out and you see these guys everywhere. These guys are doing great things uh, philanthropy-wise. They're doing great things, being visible to the community, showing people like, hey, we want to be here. We love soccer, and we're loving Albuquerque so far. Yeah, absolutely. New Mexico has embraced these guys. Uh, we couldn't be happier with how things are going. So, I mean, we could be happier if they were all three wins, but we're uh, we're loving how things are going right now. Um, let's look ahead a little bit. Orange County, this Saturday. By the time you guys hear this, Orange County will probably have already happened. But we're recording this uh, on Thursday, the day after the the, the Tulsa win. Uh, Orange County, a team that was uh, in the Western Conference Final last year, lost to Phoenix. Uh, a very good team coming into the year, everyone expects. They had a tough game uh, against uh, Tulsa last week. Ended up losing 5-3 to three in a, a score that I don't think many people expected. No, especially since Tulsa scored five straight there. Uh, OC got up 2 nothing. Uh 2 nothing's the most dangerous score. I hate that. Okay, let's get to that. I, I, you and I have talked about this before. 2 nothing is not the most dangerous lead in soccer. You know what's the most dangerous lead in soccer? You're up by one. Give me two goals every time. I'll take that. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so uh, a tough loss, an unexpected loss there. Uh, and OC had a lot of expectations coming into this season. Yeah. They were right behind Phoenix in the, the preseason rankings. Mm-hmm. And again, a team that everybody has expected to do well. And not to say that they won't. They're, they're a very 
talented team. Just an unexpected uh, a drop there, maybe to them, uh, to, to Tulsa in that situation. Uh, but again, it's uh, it's the first of three straight road matches uh, for New Mexico United. We won't see them at home again until April 13th. Uh, We'll talk to to Coach Lassane a little bit about how difficult it is to kind of traverse the Western Seaboard. He's a guy who's used to being in the Eastern Conference. It was at Charlotte before coming here, um, and at Charleston before that. So we'll talk to him a little bit about how kind of that plays into uh, preparation, how that plays into maybe subbing out the sides, having the right guys in the right places. Um, but obviously that can make a big difference. Yeah, it can. And having these uh, three games in eight days, Phoenix, uh, Tulsa, OC, that's a murderer's row right there. I mean, you got Tulsa, which wasn't really ranked too high uh, in the preseason, but they're looking a lot better than than probably people expected. Yeah, and again, it's Orange County, uh, a team that's that's very good. Tacoma, uh, a team who didn't necessarily have high expectations. And uh, RGV FC, again, another team that didn't necessarily have high expectations. But again, we are, we are a, a fledgling club. We are brand new, um, and we take no points for granted. And, and we would love nothing more than to come back with, uh, with nine more points out of these three games. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't yeah. that be amazing? That would be fantastic. All right. So we're going to, I think, end this segment right here. We'll be right back with uh, New Mexico United's first head coach and technical director, oh. the man himself. Oh, wait. What? And, and before we do it, uh, I mean, we, we we have to mention this. Curse Cast is brought to you by Star Brothers Brewing. Visit them at 700 San Antonio Drive, Northeast San Antonio and I-25. The Curse has been really embraced. Uh, the Curse is the supporters group here in New Mexico, from New Mexico United, and Star Brothers kind of came in at the beginning and has helped us out, hooked us up with some amazing stuff. Uh, they, they help us out with our tailgates, making sure that we have a lot of uh, everything you need. So they we are shout them out. They, they are, are amazing. Yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing. Heather and John uh, have been absolutely fantastic. They are the soccer bar here in in New Mexico. Long before the curse ever existed, they were there. I yeah, mean, they years support. That. Yeah, they support uh, the American Outlaws. They support the five hundred five Reds. They. I mean, I'm I'm an Arsenal supporter. Don't hold that against me. I hold it against myself enough. Uh, but you know, I can go there and watch the matches. It, they they support soccer and they support community. Um, and and they've supported us, and we we cannot tell them how much we appreciate it. Absolutely. And if you join the curse, oh yeah, go to cursenm.com. You can join the curse fifteen percent off at Star Bros anytime, except happy hour. Yeah, which, just bring your bring which your is, happy hour is pretty great too. Yeah, you, we you were there today, <laughs> <laughs> so we went over there today and, and got the discounts. But uh, just make sure you bring your membership card. Uh, show that to them, and yeah, you'll get fifteen percent off. But anyway, let's 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 move ahead. Um, unless we've got anything else we got to get to. That's it. All right, let's let's, let's move ahead it. again to the the man himself coming in here momentarily, the head coach and technical director of your New Mexico United, Troy Lassane, right after this. Looking for a great place to catch Premier League, MLS, and USL games? Star Brothers Brewing is your family-friendly destination to catch all your favorite soccer matches. Star Brothers is also home to your official New Mexico United watch parties with a Curse Supporters Group. Get 15% off your ticket when you show your Curse membership card. Star Brothers Brewing is located at 700 San Antonio Drive in the Northeast Heights, just east of I-25 on San Antonio. You can find Star Brothers on Facebook or Instagram or visit starbrothersbrewing.com. All right, welcome back to the show. As promised, head coach and technical director of New Mexico United, Troy Lesane joins us here in the studio. Coach, thanks for making that trip up here. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. This is fantastic to be on the very first show ever. First guest on the first show. Not bad, not bad. For an undefeated coach, by the way, <laughs> through three matches. Yeah, I, I, and never trailed. That's true, yeah, 270-plus minutes. 270 plus minutes as a head coach, uh, never trailed. What's the uh, what's the reception been like? Obviously, we're with the three matches so far. Uh, we're kind of getting settled into to playing here at Isotopes. Uh, to playing here in New Mexico. What's the reception been like for you from from New Mexicans? Well, first and foremost, I, both of our home matches. I've never experienced anything like that in my time in the USL. I mean, it's been truly special, and that's just because our supporters, our fans, have come out in, in numbers not only in numbers, but also just in their energy and their passion. And that's something that, again, I, I, I've been around for a number of years and I haven't seen anything like that yet. So the reception there has been fantastic. And I think 
you know, in terms of what the team's doing right now, we're getting more and more comfortable with one another. I think we're continuing to establish who we are. And I'm excited about the direction that this thing can go this year. I, I think it's, again, it's something that we we all kind of envisioned for a while, but it's uh, it's coming together slowly, but in, in the right stages right now. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, those fans coming out, not just in numbers, the attendance has been great, but more importantly, in, in full voice. I mean, and this is a community we were talking about before you came on air here, uh, who's never experienced professional soccer at this level before. What has that support meant to you? And were you surprised to see, you know, 13,000 people at the first game, 8,800 on a midweek game? Did that surprise you? It, it did. It did surprise me. Um, I, you know, I thought throughout this whole process, you know, this has been, I think, eight months for me, roughly, on the job. Uh, I, I knew that the reception was there. I knew that people were interested. But it was overwhelming the first the first night out with 13,000 there. I, I said this the other day on another radio show that I actually, with the Charlotte Independents, we played at FC Cincinnati. And they I think they had about 11,000 there, maybe 12,000 for their inaugural season opener. And I thought that that was, you know, everything uh, at, at that time. But our 13,000 was, was completely different than that and even better than that. And, and to your point, 8,000 uh, 8, plus on a Wednesday night and an engaged crowd, a crowd that didn't leave, you know, was there to, to the last kick and, and part of every play and, and trying to push us on. And that's that, that, again, is something that I think we can all really be excited about moving forward this year with that support. So when you got that, uh, a little bit before this, when you got that call from Peter saying, hey, we want you out here in Albuquerque, what was your first thoughts, Albuquerque, coming from the, I know most of your time has been spent out in the East. So sure. What, what was that like? Well, I, I really was the one that was um, more proactive in that conversation. Uh, I was the one that was trying to get Peter to look at me. So it wasn't Peter calling me in that stage. And, and that's what I'd been doing for really the last two and a half, three years, was just trying to put my name out there and see if, a team would take a chance on me. I had some different interviews, and luckily the conversation went great with Peter. Actually, the first five to ten minutes, he was already telling me that he was down the line with a couple other candidates, and he kind of knew the direction he wanted to go. Hour and a half later, he's saying, "Let's get you out on a flight. Let's see. <laughs> let's see if we can get you to Albuquerque and and just you know meet in person." And you know, things things uh, went really well from there. Obviously, what did you know about Albuquerque before this? Not much at all. You're, you're unfortunately, I, I hate this now because I've I've lived here now for a little bit. But your typical stuff, the Breaking Bad stuff, and yep, all the yeah. all the you know um, things that people have a, a perspective of Albuquerque that's probably negative. There's there's so much more to the city than I ever could have imagined, and uh, so so I I knew very little coming out here. And, and again, first six to eight months, I've just found out more than anything that it's got a lot to offer. Well, and just watching you and watching the crowds and everything, it seems like they've really embraced you. You've really embraced us. So it's really a great experience, I think, both ways so far. Yeah, I think that's the only way that you can make anything work. doesn't matter where you're from before. You want to be engaged with the community and, and you want to make sure to put yourself out there. It's a reciprocal relationship, that's for sure. Well, and kind of bouncing off of that, you know, we had a question on Twitter from Craig Buchanan. He said, what attracted you to take the reins at New Mexico United? I want to kind of take that question a little bit of a different direction. We're obviously a brand new franchise. Um, you've got players like Cody Mizell, who was rejected in Tampa. You've got a player like Kevon Frader, who was rejected in Phoenix. You've got yourself. You were looking for several different head coaching jobs. We are a city, we are a state that is constantly told that we're not good enough. Santi sure. Moore. Santi, yeah. Santi in, in Bethlehem. You know, We're a state that's constantly told, you know, we're a down on our luck state. Nothing good ever happens in New Mexico. Was there a connection to you for that? Because seems like so far this has been a pretty successful franchise and New Mexico's show in the world uh, we're not to be second guessed yeah you know again I think that that does resonate with me and, and personally going through just some ups and downs of the interview process over the last couple of years it, it is difficult to land a head coaching job so um, I, I, I looked at this as a great opportunity and, and you could see that this is a state that um, is, is blue collar in a lot of ways and wants to roll his sleeves up and wants to prove itself and, and maybe sometimes again the perspective is or the perception is that um, you know Albuquerque or New Mexico is not good enough but that's not the case and I think you're seeing that here with what we're trying to do and we're trying to uh, push the state forward in a lot of ways and your reference to a lot of these players a lot of these players you know they've had successes in, in uh, some different teams but a lot of them do carry chips on their shoulders. That's um, what I, yeah, absolutely. The chip on the shoulder. Yeah, coming in here and, and they have a lot to prove. And, and Cody, you know, in 2017, Cody was goalkeeper. He was in the top five for goalkeeper of the year. Goes on to Tampa, does well at the beginning of the year and uh, 
at, at the end of the day, it just didn't work out there. So 2019 comes around, and he's got a lot to prove, and he's doing that so far. And the list goes on. Uh, Kev Frater is a good example. Devin Sandoval at Atlanta, too, wants mm-hmm. to come back home and prove a point. We, we all have a lot to prove, that's for sure, this year. We and really do. And how does it feel again, coming in with that chip on your shoulder to be so embraced by, by the state right now. I mean, the state has New Mexico United fever. Yeah. I, well, again, the ethos of what we want this thing to be about, and this is the way that I try to live every day is that we, we want to be a group of people that are, are humble. We want to be a group of people that are hardworking and, you know, extremely diligent with our preparation and what we do. And that, that's New Mexico in a lot of ways. It's mm-hmm. it's those characteristics first and foremost. It's not always a lot of flash, and that that's good enough to get the job done in a big way. When you're putting a, a roster together for the first time in the history of a franchise, is that something that you're focused on? You know, not only bringing in players maybe with a chip on their shoulder, but bringing in quality individuals. The team's been so involved in the community, whether it be going to these youth soccer camps, whether it be, you know, participating within the community. You've got guys like David Estrada, who is, you know, one of the one of the good Samaritans of the year in the USL. Guys like Kevon Freider, again, who who is beloved in Phoenix, was 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 a character part of what you were looking for? Yeah, I mean, you you look at everyone on our roster and they're just good people first mm-hmm. and foremost. Josh Suggs, you know, he couldn't he couldn't wait to have an opportunity to come back to New Mexico because he believes in the state. He believes in what this club can do. And, you know, just to his core, he's a fantastic person. And, and you can say that about so many of our guys, but you combine that with a lot of talent that we have in our team. And that's the recipe that you'll you'll have, again, with the characteristics of hard work and humility. I think we can we can really push this thing forward in a big way. And following that question, we had a listener question. We don't have listeners yet. We haven't done a podcast, but we do have listener we questions. Have okay. questions. Okay. We have fan questions. We have fan questions. Jacob, kind of along this line, um, wanted to ask what, what the hardest and the best part of putting together a roster for the first time is. Well, it's probably the, the answer is one and the same. So the best part is it's a it's a blank slate, so you're starting from scratch. And that's that's a tall task on the flip side. It's a, it's a lot of work just trying to put all the pieces in place and you know, just the little details of uh, getting Adidas as a kit sponsor, you know, mm-hmm. and finding our locker room space and trying to figure out where we're training every day. All those things for a club that's been around for 10, 15 years, they're already in place. Those are things we had to put in place ourselves. That Again, some, some of it was challenging, but now that it's, you know, come to fruition and, and we're rolling a few weeks into the season, uh, it's it's been really one of the, the most positive things. And I, I wouldn't do it any differently um, in terms of just, being being able to see all these relationships and all these players and all these these details that we've put together, uh, and then thirteen thousand people experience those things. That's it doesn't get better than that. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you're putting together that roster, obviously it's not just having great character guys. It's also you got to think tactics. Sure. Um, you know, was it difficult to find the guys to fit the system? Um, and we can get a little more into the tactics here in a little bit. But as you're moving forward, I mean, are you thinking? Do you have guys in mind? Obviously, you had some connections uh, with some of your previous stops, you know, in Charlotte, uh, for example, bringing in guys from there. But was it? You, did you think, okay, I can get Santi Mora from from Bethlehem? I've seen him play. Sure. Was it stuff like that? Yeah, a, a big piece. Probably the the starting point for me was a lot of the relationships that I'd formed over the last five years, both at the Charleston Battery and the Charlotte Independence. So you're looking at players like Cody Mizell, Austin Yearwood, Ben Bury, Juan Guzman. We had a little bit of a connection because. He would come back to Charlotte and train at times. Santi actually was a Charlotte Eagles player, so I saw Santi in our training sessions in 2016. He was a player we wanted in Charlotte, you know, and finally we we got him here, uh, you know, here with New Mexico. So um, it started with that, and then you start to put those pieces in place and get those guys to commit. David Estrada, again, another player that we, we I worked with in Charlotte. And then you start to try to build in, from, from that point, uh, a lot of the tactics and system of play style of play, how those players match up. So Josh Suggs is a great example. And Josh Josh could fit into virtually any system uh, just because he's a fantastic left back. But the way we want to play is a little different than some teams, and he's got the characteristics to do that. The list goes on. Our center backs, you know, Sam Hamilton played uh, a defensive center midfield role for the Rapids, but we've kind of converted him to a center back alongside Rashid and Justin Schmidt, and those are, those are guys that can perform the way we want them to perform within our system and I, I think that, you know, it's all come together pretty well. We've got a long way to go, though. And you talk about that system. We've seen a 4-4-2. 
We've seen a 4-3-3. Uh, was the adjustment based on, you know, we've got a smaller pitch at Isotopes Park? Was it based on the opponent? Um, and we've also, uh, we'll get to more tactic stuff in a minute, but is, is that based on field size? What's that based on? Yeah, you know, I think that our preferred formation is, is more of a 4-3-3 and just because of the opponent, um, a little bit of the, a little bit of the, you know, dimensions at isotopes and then some injuries. We've, we just had mm-hmm. some injuries in the beginning of the season where some different players have gotten opportunities. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, I, I think it's been good for us to be able to start to tinker with things a little bit, to throw some different looks at, um, Fresno Phoenix and, and then, uh, lately against Tulsa. Uh, and, and I think it's been able to, provide a little bit more attack to the, the couple adjustments we made in the last two games versus the Fresno game. I think we were a little bit more dangerous coming off of those two games. And how important is that versatility? Uh, you know, you've got a guy uh, like Josh Suggs, for example. He's, you know, he's playing at left back. But historically, I mean, he's been a guy who bombs forward a lot. But with Santi Moore on that left side ahead of him, maybe unable to do so quite as much. How important is it to have that tactical flexibility? Yeah, uh, you, again, so when you're looking to build a team, you want to see if those players have the right characteristics like we talked about earlier. But you also want to see if they have the capacity to continue to learn and start to develop new habits and and so josh again is a good example he he does like to get forward but he's getting forward uh in, in a different way now maybe with some different types of movements rather than just overlapping all the time mm-hmm. so um i think that's been he's been the benefit of that in a lot of ways you know he's up to a couple assists now and i think there's more to come from him definitely all right, and we're into the season now we're three games in uh, we had a great match last night a 2-1 win over tulsa Woo! uh before the season started, if I told you you were going to have a win and two draws, what what would you have said? I, I would definitely take that. You know, in a inaugural season, I would I would absolutely sign to have five points at this stage. If you would have told me the way that the games went, <laughs> just like I am right now, I'd probably be a little sour that we gave a couple games away. Uh, you know, I think Fresno. To be fair to Fresno in that in that match. Uh, I thought that they they played very well and and maybe they could have come away with the win and and I thought a draw was a fair result. The Phoenix game that was that was tough. That was a tough one to stomach, just given that we took the lead three times on the night away uh, to to an opponent that's that's very very talented. They represented the USL last year or the Western Conference in the USL Championship. So that one that one stung a little bit because I think we we let that one get away. On that Phoenix game, uh, obviously two of the three goals scored on penalties. Uh, Coach, I'm going to be honest. I've I've rewatched that match. Uh, neither one of those are penalties. Uh, you don't have to <laughs> yeah, say that. Don't we don't want you to anything. get fined. We will say it for uh, you. <laughs> but I'll say it for you. Um, neither one of those. Neither one of those were penalties. Was it disappointing to see a match in which, again, against the reigning Western Conference champions, uh, one of the the best teams in the USL at the time of the match, they were ranked number one in the power rankings. Mm. Uh, was it disappointing? not to come away with the three points there when the guys played so well. Yeah, I mean, disappointing is probably not the word I would use so so much as the circumstances that were in, that were in front of us that night. We kept responding with great resiliency, great character, and and that's again a testament to what you're seeing what our group's all about. So, it would have been really easy for us uh, at 1-0 up and then a penalty comes tied 1-1 on the road to just mail it in at that point and take a loss on the night. Mm-hmm. We went ahead and found the second goal and, and, and right away too. Um, and then, you know, a difficult call at the beginning of the second half to go 2-2. But again, uh, show great character, go up 3-2. And, and at that stage, we, w- we would like to close it out. And I think we could have closed it out at that point. Given all the circumstances in the, in the match, I really do think we could have closed it out. And that's, that's what I think we did a, a much better job of because I don't think we played – particularly well in the second half in possession versus Tulsa, but we found a way to win, and, and that's, the, that's the steps we have to take because it's not always going to be perfect throughout the year. Sure. I mean, that, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say for that Phoenix game, you, you had the two penalties and a, and a ton of cards. Did that change your approach, how, you, how you're kind of going at the game? Yeah, I, I, think that we're, I think that we're an aggressive team. I think, you know, I, I talk all the time about us trying to take initiative both in possession and out of possession. So we are going to go and try to hunt the ball, but I don't. I don't think that we're overly aggressive. So the foul count that night was twenty-three to ten against us, <laughs> and six yellows to three. I, I don't know that that was that. That's never our intent. So we didn't make any adjustments necessarily. But I think that the, the mentality though still was was within our group, staying composed and still trying to figure out ways to win the game. And and again, that's 
that's all you can ask for as a coach in those moments. And you speak about possession there. Uh, we have trailed in possession all three matches, um, but obviously not lost yet. And and scored, uh, I think the, the hashtag going around is golazos only. Uh, a lot of bangers from outside the box. Was the, is there intent to be more of a countering team and try and score from distance, or is that just kind of how things have worked out? So I, I would say this in the Tulsa or sorry in the uh, Fresno game we we had the edge in that one so we were, I think we were fifty six to what forty four something like that fifty five forty five something like that mm-hmm. so we had the edge a little bit there and the uh, and the Phoenix game away from home I think that was expected yeah. you know that was a little bit more tactical for us and and Phoenix by the way is extremely good in possession sure and then uh, last night's match versus Tulsa. I think in the first half it was probably a, a 50-50 game, you know, and maybe maybe we even had the edge in the second half. I just don't think we did as well opening up our shape, getting in the right positions in order to keep possession. And again, credit to Tulsa. They they did an excellent job of pushing the game, but they had to. They were mm-hmm. down to no. It was up to them to take the initiative now. But, I mean, they've countered really well, and that's that's one thing I noticed, especially in, in rewatching the Phoenix match. That's one thing that this club has done really well, this team has done really well, is just countered really well. Is that something you focused on? Yeah, it's the, it was the starting point for us in terms of how we press and, you know, where our line of confrontation is and, and where we want to force the ball, and, and then, again, what we do whenever we win the ball. So that is something that we work on, but it also comes down to, you know, take all the tactics and coaching aside. It comes down to players like Santi, Kev, Dev, um, you know, Strada, whoever, whoever it is, stepping up to make a play, individual moments, and there's no coaching what Santi did on a 50-yard run for the third goal yeah. uh, versus Phoenix. That's for sure. So, a uh, question that we got on Twitter from uh, maybe somebody you knew from your days in Charlotte, the soccer goose himself. That's Ben Goshorn. I hope I'm pronouncing his last yeah, name man. correctly. Uh, he wanted to know if you've noticed any real differences between the Eastern and Western conferences. So far. A, a little from the standpoint that the East is, uh, you know, more established and there's more teams that have been in it for longer. So maybe, maybe you know, your Mike Anhausers or your Bob Lillies, there's a little, a little bit more um, tactical savvy to the game where they're they're okay with sitting in, they're okay with making the game difficult. And you know, Phoenix and Tulsa, for instance, they they were expansive. Now that that might come down to just clubs and philosophies, but that's probably the only real difference. And then. You know, a, a small thing which I'm just learning out, but the the travel's different. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of bus trips on the East Coast versus the West Coast. We play last night, and then tomorrow we're flying out to Orange County. Time zones, the whole nine. It's that's going to be a, a little bit different for me to get used to, and and probably for some of the players. And speaking of that travel, next three matches on the road. Uh, how difficult is that? Again, you're, you've got a match in Orange County. You're all over kind of the Western Seaboard over the next three weeks before you're back home in April. April 13th is the next home game. How difficult is travel like that? It's difficult, and we have to be smart how we manage our guys. You know, we've like we we've talked about, we've had a couple injuries early on, and that's always going to happen um, throughout the year. So, luckily though, players players are stepping up and, and they're ready for their opportunity. So from one to 22 on our roster everybody's going to have an opportunity probably in these next three weeks. And you got to see that last night with Salim Muhammad and Tony Soler coming in for their first starts. And, I mean, fantastic performance out of those two last night. Absolutely. And you got uh, th- basically three games in eight days come, going to OC this weekend. Did you change your preparation any any way? Or? We rotated a couple guys last night, and, you know, hopefully they'll be fit enough to come back in on Saturday. We'll see. Uh, we'll gauge that a little bit t- tomorrow whenever we take off and – get into a training session in Orange County. So, so yeah, we tried to manage it that way with a couple guys. But, again, some of these things are out of our control with different injuries that happen. All right. Coach, I think that's all we've got for you right now. We'll be right back to close things out here uh, on the CurseCast. Thanks, Coach. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Looking for a great place to catch Premier League, MLS, and USL games? Star Brothers Brewing is your family-friendly destination to catch all your favorite soccer matches. Star Brothers is also home to your official New Mexico United watch parties with a Curse Supporters Group. Get 15% off your ticket when you show your Curse membership card. Star Brothers Brewing is located at 700 San Antonio Drive in the Northeast Heights, just east of I-25 on San Antonio. You can find Star Brothers on Facebook or Instagram or visit starbrothersbrewing.com. Screen said how his good looks and his groovy beats are gonna help you move your beats 
Welcome back to the Curse Cast, our third segment. I'm RJ Montano, joined by David Carl, my co-host. And, and David, let's get to some uh, listener questions that we had. Uh, we, we didn't get to get to all of them with Coach. Uh, also, thank you, Coach Troy Lesane, for joining us. That was an absolutely incredible interview and, and so much fun just to hang out with him. He's, he's, he's so down to earth, so yeah. such a great guy. Pretty cool to have uh, have the head coach on our first ever podcast. First Not ever bad, podcast, huh? yeah. We're coming out swinging. Uh, we're we're going to have to try to get some... I don't know how, we're gonna how, how do we do? How do we top this? <laughs> so yeah, let's get right to these these questions. Some of these were directed to Troy, uh, but we just ran out of time. We weren't able to get to to, to a lot of them, so we'll answer them uh, ourselves as well as we can. Anyway, this one comes from Mr. Nine Twenty. Uh, he tweets uh, on a scale from Charmin Ultra Soft to Charmin Ultra Strong. How soft was the second penalty in Phoenix? Uh, if there's a if there's a softness scale. A hardness scale, if you will, for rocks. Let's pretend we're geologists here. This is this is talc. It's not diamond. It's on one to ten. It's Charmin Ultra Soft with extra Fs. I, I don't know what's softer than that. What what could be softer than that? Because that's what it was. Yeah, it was it was it was rough. I mean, we know we know Coach Lesane can't get into how soft it was again by that Freddie Mercury impersonator, um, but uh, we can. We don't mind saying that. Yeah, it was, we'll say it. it was garbage. It was bullshit. <laughs> both of them were. It. They were. They both were. And the second one, uh, more so than the first, in my opinion. Uh, neither one of them were deserving of penalties. Um, again, important to point out that there were some bad calls against both Phoenix ways. as well. Uh, but damn, two penalties? That's rough. And uh, Angie on Instagram kind of sent us a message. Uh, she uh, About the same thing, your opinions on the penalties. She also asked, do you think that referee's mustache was real? <laughs> Do I think it was real? Um, well, it, it was not Groucho Marx. Um, you know, one of those ones that you get with the with the glasses and the fake yeah, nose. Okay. It was not one of those. It was more like half Freddie Mercury, half Ron Jeremy. Neither one of those worked, um, and neither one of those obviously lent to uh, to to good officiating. Well, looking looking back at it, it looks like he's trying to be undercover. Like maybe he has a job that he doesn't want people to know he's, he's in witness protection. Out. Yeah, or witness protection. That's what it is. Uh, he's he is a he's in witness protection. Uh, in his last last gig, wherever he was in the world, he was a Freddie Mercury impersonator, and he just really did not do a good job of uh, of changing up his look. Um, and uh, now he's a terrible referee. Very terrible referee. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, keep going with these uh, with these Twitter questions. This one comes from Craig Buchanan. Um, again, initially for Troy, but he says, "What would you classify realistically as a successful first season?" What do you think, RJ? You know, I think I think playoffs. Yeah, getting into the playoffs, not necessarily up in the in the middle of range, but getting into the playoffs—that's a successful season, I think. So four expansion teams this year uh, coming into the league. Uh, we're the first one to get a win, which is great. Uh, but one win does not a season make. Nope. Um, projections coming into the season ranged anywhere from I think I saw 12th uh, to as high as 5th. Um, I think realistically, playoffs is, is success. I would really like to see us host a game, man. If, if we can get the 7th seed, we can host that first game. Maybe we win that, and obviously we'd be on the road after that, but how cool would it be? How cool would it be to host a playoff game at Isotopes Park? Uh, three games in, the sample size is very small. Yeah, sure. And, and the excitement is out out of the roof. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, realistically, it seems like it could happen. It does. It really seems like that is a possibility. Yeah, and again, super early, as you mentioned. Um, there's a lot to learn. Teams will make adjustments. We'll make adjustments. Adjustments and opponents will make adjustments. And this team will look completely different, I would imagine, by the end of the season as they do right now. One thing you could count on, I think, is nine points from El Paso. Or I mean, six points from El Paso. <laughs> six po- no, let's find a way to get nine out of them. That's fine. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll but uh, yeah, we're excited about that. We've we haven't talked too much about building rivalries. That's something that's super important. Again, a new franchise uh, and coming into the league. Again, we've got these four expansion teams. El Paso is a natural rival. It makes sense. We're just a few hours away. They are the closest team to us geographically. There's always been the El Paso-Albuquerque rivalry, whether it be UNM and, and uh, UTEP um, or, or, or whatever it may be. Um, and there's been a little smack talk on Twitter, which has been fun. It's been really fun. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys, uh, well, I, I'd like to say they brought it, but they really haven't. <laughs> they need to step up the game. Phoenix, on the other hand, 
I I, I love that as a rivalry. I really yes. do. Uh, it, it's kind of a huge metro area to a not very huge metro yeah. area, but it feels like just one game in, the supporter sections got along well enough, and the teams hated each other well enough on the field. Well, to, that's one thing. Turn into a rivalry. Getting to those rivalries. Uh, I've noticed in all three matches we've played so far, there's been a little chippiness. I think that may be uh, a little bit of the blue-collar uh, work ethic coming uh, coming maybe from Coach Troy Lassane. All three of our matches have involved a little bit of pushing and shoving after the whistle, um, particularly against Phoenix. Um, and again, that's kind of part of how you develop a rivalry. You want the players maybe not to like each other so much. And and we talked with some of those fans at Phoenix. And, and pre-game and post-game, they're our friends. But once match time rolls around for those 90-plus minutes... They are not our friends. And after that Phoenix game, I believe uh, they, they like to call Cody a quote unquote prick, <laughs> which is absolutely fantastic. Let's Cody, take that. Cody, keep it up, my yeah. man. Cody's got two yellow cards through three matches. Maybe slow down uh, that. You know, I, I don't know if yesterday's really counted. I, I, I mean, it counted. Oh, I don't mean, know it if counted, it was warranted. But it wasn't warranted. There was no, it didn't yeah. seem like he, he was kind of getting ready, set up. He was doing the same speed he was doing all game. It wasn't slow down. It wasn't even a really good time no. to start slowing down. No, the, and, the and, and the thing is, we've got a, he does have to be careful because you get five yellow cards. We I looked this up today because we were asking about this yesterday. You get five yellow cards. That's when you get your one-game suspension. So hopefully, no, maybe slow down on the yellow cards. But I do like I do like the needling. That's great. You know, you want to get under the opponent's skin. You I, there was one point uh, yesterday where our, one of the uh, one of the Tulsa players uh, got tangled up with one of our defensive players. I think he got tangled up with 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 Justin Schmidt. Uh, no, he got tangled up with Rash, Rash, Rashid. Rashid. And uh, and Cody came over and just gave a little shove to the guy. He said, leave my guy alone. I love that. I want these guys to be needling. I want these guys to be annoying. You need to get under their skin. And then again, that's part of how you develop rivalries. And, and I think that's building uh, the camaraderie on the team, but also with the fan base, because we're watching that and we're like, hell yeah, that's great. Absolutely, that that's our guy. Cool. Those are our guys. And again, building those rivalries is super important. And I, I would say the two rivalries, quote-unquote, and again, you can't force these things, uh, but the two that have made sense so far are Phoenix and El Paso. Obviously, uh, the match against Phoenix in the books, uh, 3-3 draw, um, and El Paso on the way. Uh, the first uh, match against them will be at our place. It'll be on a Wednesday night, unfortunately, so I would imagine it'll be tougher for some of the El Paso folks to travel. We would love to see them. Um, we'd love to welcome them in and, and hopefully send them home with a loss. Um, but uh, but we're looking forward to it. Yeah, and speaking about rivalries, uh, once the curse was, uh, you know, we became a supporters group. We we uh, well, not we. There was a lot of work on your part. We we uh, created helped create the Four Corners Cup. Oh, yeah. Can you talk about that? I want, I want to know a little bit about this Four Corners Cup. So, yeah, this is great. Uh, so, again, talking about kind of collaboration between supporters groups, uh, there are, are great supporters groups uh, in in Salt Lake, in Colorado Springs, and in, in, in Phoenix. Um, and together, those three with the Sandinistas, our friends the Sandinistas, um, we all got together and, uh, and decided, I, th- I believe it was uh, Red Fury's idea, um, they got us all together on Twitter and said, hey, let's do this Four Corners Cup. And it's something we talked about internally as well. It just makes sense. Geographically, we were the fourth piece of the puzzle. You know, those three clubs already existed. New Mexico United comes into the league. You got the Four Corners teams. It just makes sense. Um, and so the way it works, I mean, it's, it's like any other, uh, you know, regional cup competition. Uh, the four teams play each play each other two times. Uh, the team with the uh, with the highest point total out of those matches at the end of the season takes home this wonderful, beautiful trophy that is in the process of being constructed right now by some of the members of the curse. Um, we're going to pass it around uh, to those four teams throughout this year because it won't have a home until the end of the season. But it's another cool, fun, uh, exciting way to kind of build those rivalries and give the players a little something extra to fight for. Yeah, and uh, I've seen the design. I've seen uh, a lot of the the what's going to go into this uh, into the cup. It's it's incredible. It's a lot of fun, uh, and and the blueprint itself, like yeah, you that's said, what I'm talking about the blueprint. Thank you. Uh, the blueprint for for the cup. Yeah, it, it just looks fantastic. So it's Ron, the four one states. of our members, uh, he he created that, and he is uh, a true professional. The thing looks fantastic. I can't wait to see it in person once it's complete. Um, so let's get to another one of these Twitter questions. Uh, this one comes from Josh Kaskinen. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, can we speak a little bit about the process of using grass? For baseball slash soccer, is it expensive? Is it a complicated process? Will it look better as the season goes on? Now, neither one of us are groundskeepers. Uh, neither one of us are experts on grass, uh, as, unless you've got some hidden talent I'm unaware of. Um, but uh, it, I don't know if you guys know this. Grass doesn't really grow well in New Mexico, just in no, general. Anywhere. I yeah. mean, the way the isotopes have had their field the past 
what is it, 16 years? It's amazing. Has been amazing. Yeah. But that's that's uh, that's not the case anywhere around New Mexico. No, no. And and again, you're you're first of all, we're in the desert. Second of all, we're at 5,000 feet of elevation. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that who aren't from New Mexico. We're we're pretty high up there, so it's it's tough to grow grass. And again, you're putting grass on top of baseball dirt. It's not like yeah, you're in nice soil. What's that? It's set, set right on top of the clay. So yeah. they're moving the clay a little bit down, but it's... But with that said, part of the question was, will it look better as the season goes on? I think, just my opinion, I think the answer to that is yes. And I'll tell you why. Because it's been just New Mexico United for these first three matches. The isotopes have not played yet. Therefore, if I am correct, that grass has just been staying there. Once they go in and out, once the isotopes are alternating, every other game, you know, you've got United coming in on the weekends and you've got maybe a couple Topes games during the weeks, during the week, and then United coming back on the weekend, you're, I would imagine you're bringing in new sod every time. That would be my assumption. I don't know this for certain, uh, but I would imagine that you're bringing in new sod and I would imagine that that grass would look better. I do not know about that. I did talk to uh, some, I guess not the grounds folks, but some people at Isotopes Park. Yeah. The plan is to take the grass that's on the clay out right now Okay. Put it in a park, grow it, kind of, you know, nurture it. Maybe there, not, and then grow bring it, it back. <laughs> well, okay. So hopefully, you know, maybe as we get into, again, it's tough. Also tougher because it's been cold. As we get into the summer months, maybe that grass will go grow better. Maybe it'll be greener. I hope because, frankly, you know, the ice tubes are doing everything they can, and they're doing a great job. But it's just tough. Again, growing grass in New Mexico in the winter is just hard. Yeah. Well, and then I, you know, here's what I'm thinking too: is we're going to have both baseball players and soccer players. That grass is going to get used in the outfield. Yeah. So who knows what it's going to look like? Yeah, it could get torn up by both. You got another question for us? Uh, yes, I've got a one from um, Amanda Tayez and Adam Velarde. Kind of uh, similar questions. Uh, what was the reaction from the players to the sellout crowds? Uh, this is, I guess, for Troy, but we we ran out of time with Troy. Sure. Uh, but what was the reaction from players, coaches, staff about the? Sellout crowds and yesterday's crowd. And did you have any idea the reception for soccer, pro soccer, was going to be this big in New Mexico? Well, we, I mean, we've had conversations with with a couple with some of the players, uh, with team owner Peter Trevisani, with Troy. Um, they've been blown away. Um, you know, we asked Troy in that last segment. You know, were you shocked by this? Were you surprised by this? And he said he was. I mean, he was pleasantly surprised. Uh, but he said, yeah, he was. He was surprised. I mean, thirteen thousand fans. At the first match, I don't think anybody expected that. Yeah. Um, and they've the team full of players for the most part who are not from here. Now they're from here. They're part of the community. Part of the community, excuse me. They're they're part of us, and it's it's amazing to see how much they've been embraced. You know, I I am surprised to see how well this has gone over, but I shouldn't be. I, I've seen Albuquerque get behind a sports team like Lobo Basketball and just you know be that power force that, that helps them win games and kind of has has great support. So I am surprised, but I shouldn't be. I think, mm-hmm. but th- this has been incredible. But you mentioned there, you know, New Mexico getting behind a team with like the Lobos, for example, when they're winning. What will be key here? is if this team goes on a losing streak. You know, we hope they don't obviously, but if they do, they need to we need to stay behind this. We as a group, we've got a responsibility. The way we make this work, this is a fl- a fledgling franchise. The way we make this work is supporting the guys. Uh you know, we can point out when things go wrong absolutely, but we got to show up and we got to get loud and we got to let them know that they're supported. It's it's key. That's how this thing works. And that that kind of leads into this next question from Nathan Gray on Facebook. He he wants to know about uh Basically, what does the team need to do to get their own stadium? And Ugh. I think that's that's it. I mean, if they go on a five, if New Mexico United goes on a five game losing streak, we cannot have a dip in attendance. Mm-hmm. We have to be there every game. It's it's soccer, so we go on a five game losing streak. We could still host a, a playoff game. Yeah, absolutely. You can't you can't give up on this team. Um, we need butts in the seats. Ultimately, is what it comes down to. Butts in the seats, and we need to be loud and show them that they're supported, and show whomever would make the decision, whether it be the city council, the mayor, the state, whomever it might be, that this club is supported and that they will be continued to be supported. So much so that a stadium would be a good investment, and ultimately, that's what it need. We need to show. We need to show that it's an investment that would be successful here in New Mexico. And I think so far through two home games, we're on the right track. Yeah, and it's been uh, it's. The- I mean, I did not think this was. I thought we were going to get maybe four thousand for the first game. For the for the for the opening game. The opening game. 
Yeah. Preseason, I was thinking 4,000. That's a great number. I was worried about the midweek match. And then I was thinking 2,000 for that. Like, if we can average 2,000 fans for a midweek game, that'd be really good. Mm -hmm. And then here we go, blowing out some... I mean... I think we have the third most attended game in USL history with our, our opening night, and we might be fifth or sixth with, with last night. Yeah, I mean, averaging more than 10,000 is great. Um, if, if we could do that for an entire season, I think we're well on our way to getting a stadium. That would be fantastic. And, and again, I want to I point out, this is not to dog on Isotope Stadium. We... we are excited to be there. Park. It's a great park. It's one of the best parks in minor league baseball. It's in not baseball. a soccer field, though. It's, it's not a soccer pitch. Exactly. That's exactly right. We we won our own stadium. Uh, we hope we can get it. And, again, it's it's on us. It's on the fans uh, to get out there and, and show New Mexico legislators uh, that that would be a good investment. Where would you put it? <laughs> well, um, ideally, I don't, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this. I, I think downtown Albuquerque is really great. And I think there's a lot of issues with downtown. You know, there's a lot of crime. Um, but this is – I don't think there's much, frankly, that could go such a long way towards transforming downtown. If you put this somewhere downtown – and I don't have an exact location in mind. But if you put this somewhere close to downtown, it could transform it. It could – People will build restaurants and bars and stores because people will want to be around the stadium because people will come to the stadium. And imagine, you know, you go to the stadium, New Mexico United wins 3-0, and then everybody goes out to the bar and has a beer and celebrates the win. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, it would be great. It would be great. I don't know if downtown is feasible. What are you thinking? I I like Montgomery and I-25. They're going to okay. open a Top Golf. Yeah, I was going to say that's right for Top Golf. Top Golf. So make a hotel Top Golf, put a stadium that can seat eighteen thousand people. So you're going the exact opposite. I'm thinking go where there's already stuff, and where where you're thinking go to a place where development's going to be. It's yeah. I mean, it's obviously going to happen there. Sure. There's a lot of infrastructure around there yeah. that could support it. Um, parking. They have parking. Plenty of space for parking. Yeah. So I I think that would be a great place. But 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 but. I do like downtown. I do would lo- I would love to see Albuquerque's downtown transform. You know, transform come back to a, a great downtown. Yeah, uh, it's now, it's now uptown, uh, and I think they should stay away from uptown. Yes, I, I, there's a lot going on in uptown. Yeah, there's a lot. It's uptown's there. great. Stay away from the west side. Uh, you live on the west side. I've lived on the west side. Uh, just stay away from the west side. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think unless you've got any other questions you want to get to, I think. I'm good on the questions there. I've nailed all of mine. All right. So uh, I think we're going to wrap that up here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to our first ever episode of the CurseCast. We're going to record it every single week, uh, hopefully with guests every week. Some I think some weeks we'll have guests, some weeks we won't. Uh, it'll really kind of depend upon the team schedule as well. You know, we, we may be bringing on players, coaches, uh, we've been bringing office. on fans, front office, whomever it might be, somebody to offer a unique perspective, hopefully, yeah, each and other every Other podcasts, too. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we leave, we got to thank uh, ESPN Radio 1017, the team. It's your home for Lobo Baseball, L.A. Dodgers Baseball. They're gracious enough to let us use the studios. Thank you so much to the team. Also, Star Brothers Brewing, your official home for the curse viewing parties uh, and and just any soccer parties. They are absolutely fantastic. 15% off your t- uh, your your. T- tab if you have your curse membership card uh the curse cast is part of the beautiful game network uh home to several msl premier league usl podcasts so uh check out the bgn uh, dot fm and uh special thanks to new mexico's own the noms uh they yeah. are love that intro oh, the intro exit's gonna be great they gave us the music for that our friend mike morris uh with the noms let us uh use the music check them out on youtube download their uh music from itunes and uh, most importantly, like we said, thank you guys. Uh, your amazing support for New Mexico United has, has helped us grow as the curse, the supporters group. Uh, we've gone from those six members, uh, the six guys that showed up having a beer, talking about the supporters group, to over 200 members. So thank you so much. And uh, make sure you subscribe, download, rate, rate. review, yeah. leave us Tell some us comments. We're wonderful. Tell us we're not wonderful, but be nice about it. Tell me I'm pretty. Well, you are pretty. We, you. we both have a face for radio. That's right. That's why we're here. Yeah. You don't want a TV show. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. like like uh, like my partner David said, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, next week, we'll have someone. It'll be great. Somos Unidos. Somos Unidos. Thank you for tuning in to the CurseCast. Tune in each week as David Carl and RJ Montano talk everything New Mexico United. 
Please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, give us a rate and a review. The Curse Cast is part of the BGN Beautiful Game Network.